This is the voice of Carnage, and you are listening to Carnage Cast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Carnage Cast, a dark and stormy night. I'm Tyler, and with me here in this car on a dark and stormy night are Sarah, Rachel, Monk. And we're riding home from Spring Meltdown, Green Mountain Gamers Spring Game Day, which was held in Lindenville this year. And we're all a little punchy because it was a long day of playing games and paying a lot of attention and being serious when we had to be serious. So now we're in the car and keeping Sarah awake as she's our driver. I have Cheeto in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) And we're hoping that keeps her focused. So, uh, Rachel, what did you play today? Well, I started off with a game of Seven Wonders, and got in a game of Power Grid, um, game of Battlestar Galactica, and finished up with a couple games of, shoot, what was it called? Mad Scientist game. Nefarious. Yes, which I had never played before. It was pretty fun. So you did get something new in for the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a pretty light game, though. It was a good way to wrap up the evening. Yep. What did you? Uh, so how does Nefarious go? Each player is a mad scientist, and you're trying to invent things, and each invention that you invent is worth a certain number of victory points, but in order to build the inventions, you have to get money, and there's various ways that you do that. And each turn, you pick an action, and sometimes you get money based on actions that your neighbors choose, and the inventions all have various effects, which cause you to gain cards or lose cards, gain money or lose money, and sometimes they affect your opponents as well. One interesting feature was that before each game, you choose at random two extra rule cards, yes. um, which make the game really different, it seems like, each time you play it. So in the first game, one of the rules was that uh, any time your amount of money was not evenly divisible by five, you had to round down to the nearest five. Whoa! So if you got four money in one turn, and that left you with nine money, then you had to just throw away four of it at the end of your turn. So it was really important to try to gain money in even increments of five. And yeah. that made it tricky. <laughs> the one game I played, we had one where uh, you made money off your minions like you did off other people. Oh, yeah. And I found that very helpful. But um, that's interesting. Is yeah. this supposed to be a humorous game? Or it's a, a serious resource management? I think it's a humorous skin for a fairly mechanical game. Huh. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, the inventions all have kind of wacky names and yep. illustrations yeah. to go with them. But... The basic mechanic is pretty straightforward. It's not a lot of random elements, aside from those two random rules that you choose at the beginning of the game. Yep, and the rules are fixed, so it's not sort of a flux-style gameplay where everything is constantly changing? Uh, No, the rules are fixed. Once you choose those two random rules at the beginning of the game, those are the rules for that game. Um, and there's no way to get rid of them or change them. Those are just the rules. But each game is pretty short, maybe okay. half an hour, so... Not like you're stuck with them for that long. And that was designed by Donald Vaccarino, who also did Dominion. Right. So I I thought that was an interesting change-up for him. Monk, what did you play? I started off with Seven Wonders as well, which I also did not win. (laughs) And then I moved on to, uh, what was it, Power Grid. I beat Sarah alone in that. that And then uh, it it was important. It was a complete victory. (laughs) And then two games of Galactica, because... I love Galactica. 
So you did all that and two games of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, actually, uh, the Galactica games went amazingly fast. Particularly the second one. The second one was like lightning. It was like lightning. It was crazy. Did we you had... win the second one? What? Did you win the second one? Oh, yeah, humans oh, okay. won. Humans won. Really? Yep. I would have thought so short it'd be a Cylon oh, no, win. Cylons generally win quicker than humans will win. But in this particular game, because of... Uh, some of the strange circumstances we ended up jumping early a number of times in a row and we covered the minimal amount of jumps to win the game quickly. Yep. Now, so, I, it was a well-oiled machine. Now, I remember in the first game there was a huge kerfuffle about one of those early jumps. Arun was, uh, was uh, masterminding the jump, right? There was some nice drama going on at that oh, BSG yeah, table. Yeah. Yeah. Not only once, this happened two or three times. Yes, yes. Arun was a Cylon. Yes. Oh, he was a Cylon well, in that first game. But not game. at the beginning when he was doing the jumps. <laughs> I, wasn't that right? He didn't become a Cylon I, until the no, sleeper not, phase. No, not until the sleeper phase. Right? So, yes. So when, he was when a human. When he was acting was against, the rest of, <laughs> against the other humans, he was actually a human. Yep. Yeah. Now, and the, the person accusing him was the Cylon, as I recall. Uh, no, nobody was, I mean, everyone was accusing him. Right, but yeah. I remember Jen was the loudest when he made that big jump. And, and everybody thought they were going to lose a lot of ships. Yes. Yeah. Was she a Cylon at that point? Or I believe so. Was she oh, a I Cylon thought she was a all? Cylon from the beginning. From the beginning? Oh, okay. Possibly. I thought so. I mean, she revealed early. Yeah. She, oh, revealed she was revealed. The okay. Phase, though. I know that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I got her loyalty card. Nobody's ever certain about what happens in Battlestar is what I'm getting from this. <laughs> well, once you play a certain number of games, you know. Yeah, it all start mixing together. Yes. Into a wonderful Battlestar suit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, when you guys were playing Power Grid, that was with a particular board, wasn't it? A subset of Germany, Baden-Württemberg. Baden-Württemberg, yeah. yeah. Now, where in Germany is that? Oh, that is where Sarah lived for a year. <laughs> so were you... Uh, denying or particularly powering your old neighborhood? Was I, I did. I immediately claimed Heidelberg. Um, so that, that was really fun. <laughs> Is there anything in, uh, in, of particular interest to the Power Grid aficionados about that uh, rendition of the, of the game? Uh, or that particular board, I should say? I don't think so. I think all of the different boards have different dynamics about where you place, where you block other people, but... I, you know, I mean, you could get really minute. You could protect. You could do like a Burlington, Vermont power grid. You know, where you're like, oh, you got to get to to South Willard Street first, otherwise it's all over. It, I, you could get really minute. So I don't think it was particularly special, but it 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 changed things a little bit. Okay, so it's not like a ticket to ride Marklin or. Um the Nordic countries no. where there's mechanical wrinkles. No, 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 no mechanical differences. Just a well, uh, no, the board didn't have any mechanical differences, but um, Carlo had some expansion cards that threw a couple wrenches in, which I I'm not really sure whether they were good or bad. How did you deal with change? <laughs> oh, horribly. I don't, I don't like change. <laughs> what, what were you saying, Monk? Um, uh, the change, the expansion cards. Actually, I started off the game with a coal plant. And a warehouse, and I just bought up all the coal initially. Why was, was there a warehouse ranks. in Power Grid? Because, you know, you need a place to store your uranium. Are you sure this isn't some sort of factory manager crossover? Um, it it may like be. It. <laughs> it may be. It may be. But I would comment on the board that a lot of the boards have sweet spots on them, while as this board had a lot less noticeable sweet spots on yeah, them. Yeah, it, it was. It was well much bad. more of an even... I mean, there were definitely bad paths, but there were 
lots of pretty middle midline paths. Now, would you say that's a fault of Germany or the designer's intent? No, I wouldn't say that's a bad thing. I think it's good and refreshing. Uh, anyone who's played Power Grid has probably played on the, the US map. And the East Coast in that game is ridiculous. It's, it's almost annoying to play that game because you just leapfrog. That's yeah. all you do in, in, in American Power Grid. What does that mean, leapfrogging? It means where you'll build a city and the person who's next able to afford a city will build the next city in that line. Oh, so and then just you'll have to pay to go the over them, and yeah, 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 you just go down the seaboard. For what it's worth, I've played Power Grid twice, and I've never played the U.S. map. Good. Uh, it was disrecommended to me the first time I played. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's a common theme that everyone's like, "Oh, we don't even play with this because it's it's so annoying." <laughs> it's so formulaic that yeah. particular map. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's become a bit like Dominion, where nobody plays with the base set anymore because the cards are relatively passe. I don't know about that of concerning Dominion. I mean, my favorite set is still Intrigue, and that was the second release. Right, but it wasn't the base set. Yeah, but... I mean, when I pack Dominion, it's always Intrigue. Well, I I think that actually says a lot more about Intrigue than it says about Dominion. Because, I mean, Prosperity's come out, and when Prosperity first came out, everyone was very excited about it. I still think it's a great, great set, and it adds a lot of good cards, but Intrigue is just such a better core set than than the base one was. It adds a lot more flavor. I I would comment on that, that um, Intrigue is so dependent on attack actions that if you like that kind of dynamic in Dominion, of course you're going to like Intrigue, that I I still prefer Prosperity just because I I don't like the attack cards. (laughs) Disclaimer, neither do I. I just like Intrigue for whatever reason. the, The unknowable love of a board game. It's yeah. intriguing. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, I mean, there are a lot of other spice cards, things like the Mining Village, which are... It's a very unique card to Intrigue, where it's four cost, trash it, get two coin. It's a pretty quick turnover card, but... Yep. Yeah. So, did anybody else play First Sparks besides Sarah? Uh, I don't believe nope. so, no. All right, it's on you. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> First Sparks is the subtitle to a Power Grid world game that I think it's the same designer, but don't quote me on that. Frederick Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> um, so, it's, uh, so it's called Power Grid The First Sparks, and it has similar turn dynamics to Power Grid, where you bid on a, a um, power-making device, or in this case, a food-making device, but the the theme of this first Sparks game is that you're early hominids and you're hunting and getting better weaponry and getting better agricultural fields. So instead of power, you're dealing in food. And instead of powering cities, you're feeding your little packs of people. You're a, a tribe leader in the game. It's much quicker and... It has hexes. It has... It has what? Hexes. What's a hex? Those hex... The board was made out of hexagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Um, so it, the board changes every time. And um, the best part is that it comes with little uh, wooden cutouts of bears and caribou or whatever they were, mammoths and um, all Wait, sorts of little Caribou things. or mammoths. It's a... It's, there's, well... They look so simple. The sizing wasn't... One has a tusk. The bear was the same size as the mammoths. So I was I greatly put out by the lack of scale else. in that game. <laughs> and there were fish... 
um, but the fish were almost the same size as the bears. <laughs> so it, I really liked those. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so I loved that game. I will probably be purchasing that game. Mm-hmm. Is, um, is it mechanically the same as Power Grid? Almost. It's close. It maybe seventy percent. Okay. Is there bidding in it too? Yes, although the bidding is fascinating. So it's not you don't you don't have money to bid with. It's the last person who wants it. So you still have that same ordering where you based on the number on these little for back, lack of a better word, plants that you have. Um, or what do they call them? Tech? Maybe they, let's call them technology. So the number on the technology is how you get ranked. Um, but then based on that ranking is the quote-unquote bidding system. So let's say um, Tyler is first. Not playing this game. Okay, Tyler's not playing this game. Tyler's first, I'm second. Monk's third, Rachel's fourth. Um, during bidding, Tyler says, I want the bow. I say... I want to go home is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, carry on. I want a bow. You want the bow. I say, I want the bow as well. Monk says, I pass. Rachel says, I want the bow as well. Rachel gets the bow. But it's, she's out for the round? It, she gets the bow and she's out for the rest of it. Okay. So it's so whoever... continue around the circle? Correct, yeah. It's not It's not really a bidding. It's whoever oh. the last person is who wants something. It's fascinating. Last in the turn order? So, so last in the turn order. So not only are you, you... So you have to sort of pick what you think other people might want in order to clear out that spot and to get less people in this bidding or you pick you know it's it's a really you really have to be thinking a little bit more about what the other people in the group want um because if you pick the most obvious advantageous thing it's the in the first wave of bidding you're not going to get it so it's it's fascinating i really i really liked it a lot interesting what do you guys think? Would you play? Oh, I know you would play it, but would you play it willing? It, mm, you it, just play it. Let's be honest here. It, it sounds like it'd be interesting, especially because the currency in that game seems to be your turn order. So you you right. sort of you can stockpile your turn order and always pick something crappy until there's that one thing that you really really want, and you just make that yours. Right. Yes. Then. But once you do that. Uh, I'd assume that that's probably a high number technology or whatever they're called, uh, or power plant. Yeah, let's sort say. Of, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and once you get that nuke plant to to cook your caribou, um, <laughs> you're kind of screwed in the next few rounds because you get to choose what other people will get before you. But you can work your way back to the the back of the pack slowly. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. And there certainly there aren't any really bad cards, but you you have to diversify. It just it was it was just really interesting. Um, and it ended a lot quicker than I thought it was going to. Part of the game is is adding um, the equivalent of new cities to the board. You're adding new s- groups of settlers. Um, and in the beginning, you're thinking, okay, do I just add the one, or can I maybe afford two? And then it feels like you jump right from that to, okay, should I put five or six settlers out? It's a, it was so quick. Uh, and that's a good thing, right? You know, people don't like Power Grid because it takes three hours, but this game has the same dynamics and is only an hour. That's interesting. When, uh, when I was watching you guys play, I've, I realized something I, d- I didn't understand about it uh, originally when I first heard they were doing First Sparks. It was like, 
what does this have to do with power grid? This makes no sense whatsoever. And then I realized when the when the when the resources you were bidding on and converting were food, it's like it's still energy. It's just instead of energy to power technology, it's energy to power the hunters. Right, exactly. And so I guess the the first sparks is sort of a couple plays on words. It's it's they're saying sparks because it's sort of related to electricity and it ties into the power grid, but it's also the first sparks of a bidding war or the first sparks of a organization. Organ- yeah, exactly. So it, I, I just really, I never even heard of this game. I didn't know it existed. Well, it just came out this year or 2011. Yeah, it was amazing. Carlo just had it in his bag and I sort of, it caught my eye. It was the discovery of the evening. Nice. Discovery of the day. Discovery of the day. What was that? Such a naming disappointment because when I saw that box for Sparks, I just thought it would be competitive uh, forest fire crazy. <laughs> I think you're on to something there. I, I think so. I yeah, were so. you expecting a Flint and Tinders in there, whoever can start the fire faster? Yeah, you know, you go from village to village making fires for everyone. I don't know. I actually think that would be a good companion game to the new firefighting co-op. Uh, which, whose name I cannot pull at this moment, but we, but we saw it at PAX, and your firefighter is trying to clear a house. So maybe you can be arsonists? And on that same note, by the way, um, in Power Grid, I believe we need a a corollary to the um, pandemic bioterrorist, which is an SEC representative, to just sort of go after collusion between the different companies as they're dividing up the... No monopolies. No monopolies. Yeah. Uh, There was definitely some collusion going on in that Power Grid game. (laughs) (laughs) By far. at one point in the game, uh, Andrew, if he had been able to build in two more cities, um, he would have won the game. Um, and we found out later he didn't actually have enough money to do that, but all of the rest of us players were conferring about, okay, you cover these cities, I'll cover these cities, to block him out. Uh, openly. I mean, Andrew yes. was there. We were <laughs> saying, okay, how are we going to stop Andrew? In yes. fairness, it, it was Andrew. It was Andrew. Yes. And, like, you know, the other thing the is, if anyone's in a really open lead like that yeah you sort of you know like i might not have been the second place but there's not a chance i have at winning if andrew just wins his turn so it's yes yeah it's just the way the game plays that it's hard it i mean I, i think if you if you took that to heart and you had hard feelings about it you shouldn't play power grid because it's just it's such a numbers game that it's like it's just all on the table you're just talking openly about oh this is advent more advantageous for this person and so i shouldn't do it blah 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 blah. so i that's just how the game works <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree with that yeah. at all um just but as, it, as, as realistic real <laughs> yeah real world business <laughs> i think they kind of frown on that sort of thing <laughs> just, just a bit we had this, what seemed like the smash runaway hit of the day was Lords of Waterdeep. At least in terms of number of plays it got and number of copies sold by Triple Play. Asterisk, um, Lords of Watership Down is its new name. Yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to when you replace all the me- the, uh, the meeples with rabbits from Dixit. It's going to be great. <laughs> Actually, that's a really good idea. File that for later. Copyrighted. <laughs> now, Monk, you and I are the ones who played that, right? No, no, no. It's only you. Oh, you only won it, right. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I just happened to win it. Yes, yeah. Triple Play also donated a copy for uh, the door prize for the day. And it happened to be won by Monk here. And he's going to go teach it to Canada in a couple weeks. 
into who? Canada. Canada. All of Canada, Canada. yes, actually. Yeah. I'm starting in with the new fees. I yeah. know that they take the longest to learn new games. Yeah. Um, You're going to work your way west across the country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, come uh, on. Not, not shying away from those stereotypes at all. <laughs> well, he's going to have a whole set of prairies between him and the new fees. He'll be fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Who does this country dump on? Let's start with that. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, New Finland is your uh, New Jersey? Okay, okay, I get that, I get that. Uh, Lords of Waterdeep is ostensibly a Dungeons & Dragons board game, but it's completely unlike any Dungeons & Dragons board game ever published because it's essentially a Euro game worker placement where each player is one of the uh, hidden Lords of Waterdeep who go around in cloaks and masks because otherwise they'd be assassinated and they uh, send their agents out to accomplish these missions and they accomplish missions by allocating different uh, fighters and wizards and clerics and thieves and such but these fighters and wizards and clerics and thieves and such are represented by colored cubes so that's how you know it's a Euro game and when, when you accumulate enough cubes of a kind you achieve a mission you have on your plate and the mission goes in your pile and you get victory points and it's all pretty straightforward and fun which but it, the just amazing part was it was kept getting played again and again and people kept pulling copies out of nowhere and by nowhere i mean the back of sean's van <laughs> I, I just wanted to interject for a moment to ask uh so the hidden lords of waterdeep walk around in cloaks and masks according to the flavor text yes uh, do the real hidden lords of waterdeep just walk around barefaced what do you mean I mean, because that's the way to hide. If everyone's wearing a cloak and mask, I mean, you just walk around with your face out in the open. Nobody's going to know you're a hidden lord. You're pulling an Amidala gambit. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's a good point. You think? Uh, I think it's sort of given that uh, somebody in a mask is a lord, so it's probably a good point. They're probably just a stooge <laughs> who drew the short straw that day. <laughs> Continue with actual actual content. Uh, no, that's really the essence of the game. It's fast. It's fun. I, I am saying it's fun, and anyone who knows how much I, I don't go for that kind of game might appreciate what that means. And maybe I'm just being taken in by the flavor text, which is straight up water deep from the Forgotten Realms and Dungeons and Dragons. Flavor, flavor. Yes. There was, in fact, one of the meeples did, in fact, have a giant clock hanging around its neck. I'm going to have to ink that one in in Sharpie. And then meanwhile, on the Kami role-playing uh, underground front, we, uh, me, my friend Joe, friends Joe and Kay played a Fiasco, which is a story game from Morningstar Games, which emulates the sort of um, wild mayhem and poor decision-making you'll find in a Coen Brothers film, like Fargo or Blood Simple. And it's a little too adult to get into, but let's just say it involved people at an... an at an Antarctic research station, uh, an illicit trade in seal milking, and the assassin sent to deal with somebody who was cutting the product. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Did, were yes. there any Norwegian huskies in it? Ah, uh, there were no huskies, I'm sorry. Uh, was the thing there? There was no thing. I looked in the... See, the thing about Fiasco is you, you have a playset, which is a predetermined list of elements that people choose from to incorporate mm -hmm. in the game. There was nothing even re remotely approaching the thing. Honestly. I was disappointed. So, no, no Norwegians at all. There was not a Norwegian to be seen. Very disappointing. No one from even from the Arctic Circle period. Oh, very, very sad. Very disappointing. Yeah, I was sad. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the game day, there was magic going on upstairs. The Dark Tower Gaming from St. John's very hosted two magic tournaments, and probably pick up play in between. 
Uh, triple play was there. Sean vending out of the back of his van, as we mentioned. And it was just a crap ton of board games from 10 until 10. Uh, anybody have any closing thoughts they want to share? Um, I have a couple. Shout out to the civilization that went on forever and to the Game of Thrones that went on for a while too. They were we didn't play those, but they were they went on for quite a while. And I also Stark played one. <laughs> Stark One. Interesting. Um, and I also played another game that was awesome, which was a fashion themed game called Preda Porter. Porte. En français. Um, so it, it's sort of this fashion themed game that I sort of wish they had named differently. I think that they should change the title of it because it's in this French word. I have no idea how to pronounce it, and I think I'm relatively reflective of a, a regular American in that sense. That is it Pret a Porter? Is it Pret a Porter? Like, there's no I after before the E in any case. I thought I came before E. Like it's so, anywhere. right? So why isn't it Pret a Porter? Because it's French, and in Porte, it's a verb, the infinitive verb for to wear. Pret a Porter means ready to wear. Um, I I thought it was a not so uncommon phrase, but I can also totally sympathize with the fact that if you haven't studied French, then you know you're maybe not going to know that. Yeah. I made my own French gaffe. I was asking Carlo, our king beyond the wall from Quebec, about uh, his shirt, and I was saying boute when it was really boot, according to him. Or I was getting it, or it was the other way around. I was getting it wrong, and he had no idea what I was asking him about. Ah. It was a French phrase which doesn't translate well, meaning something like gaming to excess or to the max. That's for their Quebec convention, that's sort of the carnage equivalent. In any case, I think they should change the title. I also think they should capitalize on some of the fashion shows that are out there um, because it, I think that it reads one way and it really is not that way. It's a very, it's a, another total money game um, that it's, you're building a business, you're trying to make your profit margins high, that it's got this, it, it works really, really well with the fashion skin. It fi it ties in exactly to the actual world of fashion and selling your looks and putting on four different fashion shows a year and and sort of the the build up to them. But it you don't have to like fashion or know fashion to to be any good at it. It's just an, it's just another money game. It's almost as straightforward as a power grid. So are you saying you like it or you don't? You seem a little mixed there. Oh, no. I loved the game itself. It was amazing. It's another one I'd probably buy. Um, I just... I I don't know. I clearly have a hang-up on the title. So the, 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 it's another game where the theme is pretty much immaterial? Mm, no. I think that... Maybe not. I think you could skin it with another another um, theme well enough that it it's very similar to Dominant Species the way it plays, but the the theme works really well with the fashion industry. That whoever whoever wrote that did a really good job. That they clearly knew some inside information, or maybe we're just Project Runway fans like I am. Um, but it, I really liked it. Okay, Rachel. Last thoughts? Oh, well, I'm still just blown away that two complete games of Battlestar were completed in a span of five hours. I seem to recall last year at the Winter Game Day, there were also two Battlestar Galactica games. 
each one of them lasting five hours or longer. Yes, that was a full day of Battlestar. Yes, I was in on that. I played both games. Um, I, I enjoyed my three-hour game today, though. I think that was enough yep. to last me through at least until the next game day, possibly longer. Okay. Because uh, I, I remember Bill pointing out that he thought you were a Cylon and then... Yeah, I don't know why everybody thought I was a Cylon. Uh, I think they always, they always pick on the quiet ones. Yeah. Um, when, when other people at the table are shouting, I'm not a Cylon, I'm not a Cylon, look at look at what this person's doing, look at what that person's doing, and you're just sitting there minding your own business. Mm-hmm. Uh, minding your you, Cylon business. Yes, yes. Uh, for the record, I was not a Cylon in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Disputable. Yeah, people always uh, always suspect the quiet ones. Well, with good reason. I would, I would make mention that it, a lot of people are very outgoing when they don't have anything that they're trying to hide. But when you're trying to, to sort of lie and cover up this whole deceit side, you need to be a lot care- more careful with what you say. So people are more introverted. Yeah, but it's also just a personality thing. I mean, it's take true. someone like Arun. He's he's always a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> well, but even when he wasn't. Some people are outgoing all the time and outgoing and loud and drawing attention to themselves, whether they're a Cylon or not. And some people are more quiet and low-key, whether they're a Cylon or not. And, I mean, part of what I enjoy about the game is that, you know, players' personalities really play a role. Um, And it's not just mechanics or competitive accounting. There's, you know, human interaction going on and intuition and whatever. Yeah, the the vagaries and irrational guesses. Yeah, exactly. And people standing up and shouting and... (laughs) uh, Walking away from the table, coming back, walking away again immediately... Yes, (laughs) Um, and I enjoy that, but I do think it's sort of funny that people were suspecting me of being a Cylon just because I was sitting there and not saying as much as some other people. I I would also say that I put some blame on you simply to get it off of me, because I wasn't a Cylon. (laughs) I I was not a Cylon in either of the games, but, you know, that doesn't matter. (laughs) Well, sitting there saying I am not a Cylon accomplishes absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yes, but sitting there <laughs> but saying that do person is a Cylon actually does accomplish some stuff. And I've I've heard some uh, from the side commentary about your playstyle, Monk, where you just act like like a Cylon all the time, no matter what. Um, I tend to be very reserved with the reasoning behind my moves, so it it does lead to a very Cylon-ish uh, overtone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really... Uh, I, th- I feel like I understand the game well enough that I don't want to let any Cylons in on what I might have up on my, up my sleeve at the, at the time. And the other thing is, um, uh, when playing especially pilot roles, it, it's so mechanical and quick that I tend to, to do it before anyone realizes it's my turn and things like that, which... Which are more suspicious. So you're saying you're faster and smarter than everybody. Yes, because I'm a Cylon and my brain works. works. Uh, now the truth outs, I see. Yes. Now, do you, do you have any uh, other clothing thoughts you wanted to share? Uh, no, I really enjoyed uh, Battlestar Galactica. I like to get in at least one of them each game day. Mm-hmm. It, it sort of carries me through the three-month gap. But, you know, it was a solid game day, so I'm happy. Very good. Alright, this has been Carnage Cast Extrasode 5, A Dark and Stormy Night. This has been Tyler, and with me has been... Sarah. Rachel. Monk. Thank you, and good gaming, everybody.
You've been listening to Carnage Cast, a production of NNEG LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at www.carnagecon.com. <laughs>